a Highline podcast. We live in a complicated and fascinating world that invites us to dive deep into its intricacies. Exploring the ideas and events that excite, intrigue, irritate, and confound us is how we graduate our knowledge beyond meme culture. Join us over a cocktail as we expand our understanding and share in the beauty we find along the way. I'm Stephen Torna. I'm Kat Dwyer. And I'm Stephen Henning. Welcome to the Whiskey Bench. Hello, guys. Welcome back to the Whiskey Bench. Kat, Mr. Henning, how are you two this evening? So well. I I am excited to uh, hang out tonight. Me too. I'm doing great. In particular, because your cocktail is very strong. Yes. Today was a <laughs> oh, great yeah. work day, honestly. It was hot, and I was like craving juice. And uh, juice came home and decided to make a nice juicy cocktail. It's juicy. <laughs> uh, Hanning, what are you drinking tonight? I have a confession to make, and that is that I am out of whiskey in my home, and mm, I did shame. bad and didn't restock the bar before tonight. Um, but I bet you can guess what I'm drinking instead if I tell you I'm drinking a beer. Mountain Man. Yeah. You got it. Which one is it again? It's like a stout. The Great. It is Mountain Man. It's a Scotch Ale. Scotch Ale. By Jeremiah Johnson Brewing in Great Falls, Montana. That's right. Wouldn't it be wild if I just like told you their address? <laughs> just like I know <laughs> everything dox about- them. Dox them. <laughs> right now, dox them on air. They were founded in 1980. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I want? I want a Jeremiah Johnson tap house in Billings. This is a business mm. idea I've had floating in my head for a few weeks. Weeks? I thought you were going to say years. <laughs> no, just weeks. For a couple of minutes. Just weeks. I've been, I've been drinking their beers. I enjoyed their, uh, their honey, like Hefeweizen this week as well. And I'm just, I'm continually impressed with every beer they put out. I'm like, I want a tap house with these guys. They have a tap house in Great Falls, and they have one in Coeur d'Alene, and oh. that's it. I mean, they okay. show Where? they show up. They have a few beers on tap, like in most places in Billings, Mountain Man being one of them. But it would be so cool to have like a like here's where you go to get all of the Jeremiah Johnson brews. Where did they start? Great Falls. They started as a uh, brewery called the Front. And I think they were bought out a few years ago, or they just rebranded as Jeremiah Johnson. Mm. But they've they've been a Great Falls company for a good long while. I've been drinking a ton of um, Mountain Walking's uh, Italian Pilsner this yeah, summer. It's quite tasty, super. I feel like it's the perfect. Here's the perfect thing to take for like a float or like a kayak on the river, something mellow. A keg. No. <laughs> okay. A, Mountains Walking sells four pack of tall cans. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And so you get a four pack of the Italian Pilsner tall cans, and mm. it is perfect. So I was at a street party last couple of weeks ago, and they had a keg of the Italian Pilsner. Ooh, that's a good thing to get a cornhole keg of. C- cornhole competitions. They had <laughs> uh, the ugly onion pizza. Set up so you oh. could buy uh brick fired pizza 
free beer. Nice. It was awesome. Free beer? Yeah, and a jazz band. You invited me and I didn't yeah. go. I should have gone. An amazing <laughs> jazz band, cornhole competition, Damn. pizza, and free beer. What in the hell? It was awesome. Does this happen annually? Uh, it happens like once a month. Wowzers. Once a month? Yeah. All right, I'm going next month. All right. There you I'll, go. I'll, I'll, Henning, you got to come out here. It's <laughs> on a Thursday usually, so the only reason I was able to go is because we, we ended can't. up canceling. Took a break. Yes. Nice. So I love the way that the lines way it up. goes. All right, so, listeners, one one of these weeks we might take a break so the three of us can go, go to the have next a party. Hey, <laughs> be great. But uh, yeah, beer sounds delicious, and I might have to go get one here in a second. Well, but we are not drinking beer. Yeah, tell me about this this uh, this impromptu cocktail you made. So With it's not real. Juice. Okay, it's, it's <laughs> juicy. Uh, it's it's a gin and juice, so it's super you know basic. Everyone's got a gin and juice. Snoop Dogg's favorite. Yeah. But I did go get fresh grapefruit. Squeeze those suckers. Um, and I realized that the grapefruit juice was really not particularly vibrant. Didn't even really look like grapefruit juice. Bummer. Uh, so you need more I decided grapefruit. to do a little tweaking to make it prettier. So I've got two ounces of dry gin in there. Maybe two and a half. Maybe three. <laughs> it feels because yeah. it tasted Ta- weak, and I just, just kind of free pour. When we were done, I just kind of went sloop. Tastes like <laughs> three ounces. Yeah, so probably three ounces of gin, mm-hmm. uh, three ounces of grapefruit juice, and then because the color was lame, I put one ounce of aperol in each one, which is like a beautiful orange color. Which now it looks pinky. It's beautiful, and it makes it a little more bitter because the aperol. Mm-hmm. So yeah, three ounces of gin, three ounces of grapefruit juice. One ounce of Aperol. Oh, and then I uh, minced a bunch of rosemary rosemary, and shook it all together and then mm. strained it into a tall glass with a bunch of ice. Mm. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just a little bit of rosemary flavor. Generally, I would make a rosemary syrup. Yeah. Didn't have time. <laughs> it is lovely. Very fair. What do you call this drink? An elevated gin and juice. Yeah. Elevated gin and juice. <laughs> yeah. That's going to look so good in your podcast players. Uh, I'm going to call it the gin juicy. Gin juicy. Gin juicy. I like that. Gin. That's good. I got to tell you guys. Uh, why don't I call it the juicy gin? <laughs> okay. That, that flows better. I like better. gin and juicy better. Gin and juicy? <laughs> yeah. All right. Gin and juicy it is. Because gin and juice is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it just has a little extra, so it's juicy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fair. So, um, yeah. I'm all about it. It's delicious. You guys have experienced the, what people call like the creative flow state. Yes. Yes. I call that the juice. Sure. (laughs) Oh, oh yeah. Give me the juice. Yeah. So I get so excited when that word is used just because like, it just reminds me of that feeling of just being like high on an idea and you're just like, (laughs) I just, yeah, they got the juice. So all sorts of motivation, inspiration. Well, I feel like that's an integral part of who you are. As long as I've known you, you've said, this gives me the juice, right? Yes. I mean, you've yes. been saying that for yes. a long time. Absolutely. So yeah. I say we just, we just, let's just dive into it. Oh. Straight up. Okay. Is that, is, is, is being someone who has the juice. I love this. A, a personality trait. <laughs> you are such a creative oh. segwayer right here. Right. So I've been reading quite a few books lately um, of about psychology and uh, especially like evolutionary psychology and whatnot. But 
I also do have like a faith background in Christianity. And I recently have been trying to puzzle out with almost everyone I can have a conversation with. My, my basic question is, where does personality come from? Mm-hmm. And honestly, mm-hmm. that's just kind of like my open-ended, like, I just want to explore with you guys. I want to get your takes. I want to get, maybe we should get definitions first. Like, when we talk about personality, I guess I'm thinking of the way an individual shows up in the world, right? Whether that be by choice or by nurture or by nature or even genetics, you know, the way someone shows up in the world, um, Mm -hmm. like it teaches you a lot about a person and, you know, we've, we, we know at least anecdotally, I don't know if there's actual studies on it, but we know some personalities are compatible and some are certainly incompatible. Um, yeah. And I'm just kind of wondering where we think that comes from and, (laughs) and why I am the way I am and why I think about what I think about and cat thinks about completely different things and we get along and we find ways to like Venn diagram our lives, our thoughts and our personalities in ways that we like form friendships and relationships. For what it's worth, I think it's a mix of nature and nurture. Mm -hmm. And I also think, um, you separated out genetics in my mind genetics is the nature metaphor Mm, okay yeah no that makes sense how i was reading something interesting about this that i could just share please please go for it so i don't necessarily i kind of always was a nurture over nature person um since observing my sister have children and watching her children grow and evolve, I've learned that there is a fair amount of nature involved in determining who people are. And so I was reading about this when Henning, you said you wanted to have this conversation. I did just a little bit of reading and um, one like synopsis of a paper that I came across basically described sort of the nature, the genetics being like these evolutionary survival traits mm-hmm. like you need certain personality characteristics to survive in certain situations and so humans and animals have like evolved with these basic personality traits um but or not even but and at the same time your environment from the moment you're born is shaping you because it's drawing out certain traits that are instinctual but your environment either makes you like lean on some of those traits more than others and over time that um well you're shaped by that over time yeah yeah right it's both i think the 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 idea of personality being mostly nurture like if that's the way you used to think cat i love Mm -hmm. i love that the the story immediately is observing parents and children and noticing like similarities and commonalities. 
Cause I, yeah, you learn a lot through that. Well, it's kind of mm-hmm. wild. I've even been thinking about that. Like I, I went to a concert a few weeks ago and like while I was cheering at one point, I had just like a vivid sense memory of like, I heard my voice cheering for the band and I legitimately thought it was my dad standing behind me. <laughs> like this, oh, wow. the way we cheer, right? The way we get excited is the same. And like, I know, I know that's kind of stereotypically the thing of like, oh God, I'm becoming my father. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But there's something to that. That that's, yeah, totally. that's a real oh, phenomenon. Right. And, and, oh man. So, and, and then it's interesting to try to determine like how much of that is genetics and how much of that is learned. Right. Yeah. Conditioned or yeah. Taught through nurturing yeah yeah because you're observing them and adopting right because that because it's worked for them and they're who you mm-hmm. emulate that yeah. is essentially uh, like the nurture component to me it's like it's the next logical step in what uh like john locke calls the tabula rasa right like we are blank slates at birth mm, right and i know he's talking about more like philosophically he's talking about the nature of man and that we're not mm. necessarily born good or evil, but there's a way you can read that and say like, your personality is like blank at the moment of your birth. Right. And you, and like instantly your environment starts shaping you to who you're becoming. Right. Because, um, like a lack of touch in infancy has, a, has lasting effects on personality. Right. So like, I bet. Mm-hmm. so even even the choices of a mother, either neglectful or, you know, just, I don't, ignorance or something like that. Like the lack of touch changes personality. So there's certainly, certainly a nurture component. Gosh, I'm getting twisted up here, but. um, But a situation like that, like if you, like if you're born into an unstable environment, yeah, then right. there's survival traits to be like. To have control or to not, you know, or to be distrustful, you know, or to be reserved, those sort of instincts, which I think are written in our DNA, like we've evolved to know to like have those instincts, Mm -hmm. but your environment can draw those out, right? Like more, they can make some of those traits more pronounced than others. So like if you're born into an unstable environment, it'll trigger those survive those particular survival instincts yeah. that are like written in our DNA. Yeah. Like the knobs right. are there. Some of them are just turned down to zero. Right. Like I yeah, very totally. rarely have to have my survival instincts turn on because my life is very good and I have a home and like enough food to make sure I I've, I've never gone hungry. Right. So like, yeah, but those instincts are there and it's important to know that. But like, as far as it shows up in my personality, like it's almost nothing. Right. Right. So this is important, and I think we should backtrack just slightly. Oh, please. What do we define personality as? Good point. And what is the difference between personality and your identity? Hmm. Because I think those are at least correlated in some way. Because as I was thinking about this this week, the idea of identity came up in my thoughts, but I didn't quite know how it ties into personality. Sure. Hmm. Or if it does at all. So I guess, first of all, I would attempt 
to define personality as how an individual shows up in the world. And I guess mm-hmm. maybe that's a kind of squishy language for it, but like um, people coming from very similar uh, backgrounds, you know, mm-hmm. me and my brother grew up in almost the exact same circumstances and our personalities are widely, wildly different. Um, and there's, there's a genetic argument to that. Like we have the same like genetic donors, right? We have the same parents, but we're certainly not identical. Now, identical twin studies are very interesting when it comes to personality because even then personality seems to like develop differently in identical twins even when their genetics are absolutely identical. Oh, yeah. Right? Totally. I know quite I know quite a few twins mm-hmm. that are identical and it's like I couldn't tell them apart, but you can just you know who they are because they're so different. Yeah, they have a vibe, right? Wise, like they yeah. have an aura. Yeah, they got a vibe. Aura is kind of a magical way of putting it, but that's honestly <laughs> part of partly what I think it is, right? Like right. some something about the esoteric or like the the soulishness of mm-hmm. a being, right? That is going to be different, right? That that like spiritual signature. There it is. Spiritual signature is kind of what I think of as personality. Hmm. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with that because mm-hmm. they're two unique people, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like hmm. invoking spiritual in there, though. I kind of want to address the question of like, uh, because we we all identify as as somewhat like Christian in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and if people want to hear about it, they can go to my other other show, Ravel, where you two show up as guests, and that was great. Um, <laughs> shameless plug. Thank you. But. Do we think any of it has to do with, like, does God give us a personality? Or is our, is what degree of our personality might even be planned, like, before we're born, you know? What is it, like, Psalm 139 that says, like, you knew me as I was being knit together in my mother's womb? I mean, I personally believe that life unfolds with a purpose and that there's intelligent design and that there's like a path Mm -hmm. for each of us that's unique. So um, I do think that God as our creator has a hand in these things. Um, I view God's role in the world more like dropping a pebble in a pond and like it has a ripple effect rather than like... Active. A man with white hair sitting in the clouds, like designing me actively you know I mean? in it. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I do as somebody who believes in a creator, like for sure, I think that hmm. that creator has a hand in who I am. That reminds me of quite a few of like the way the American founding fathers talked about God. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> if, if I'm honest, like it, there's something in Naturally. it. Naturally. There's, there's something in it that rings of what's called deism, which is essentially like. God is the cosmic watchmaker, mm-hmm. right? And God yeah. wound up the clock and let it go. Like God doesn't necessarily have to be involved at every stage, right? Or like actively manipulating things in order to get the universe to go a specific way, right? Right. How do you feel about that Which it's, summary? I think that's fair. Uh, two thoughts. One, side note, I don't know if I've ever told you, but... My family can be traced back to the Massachusetts Bay Colony, so I think it's oh, that yeah, sense dude. why there you I'm go. so Hell fucking yeah, like dude. the way I am. John Locke. Um, great. 
I forgot my second point. So there's so something spiritual <laughs> about it. Maybe there's something about like the divine giving us a purpose and maybe part of that purpose um, is is aided, uh, encouraged by our personality. How does that sound? Yeah, I agree with that. And this is, you know, talking about personality. When I think of personality, I'm thinking uh, how you present yourself. You said, what did you say, Henning? Something like um, how you present yourself in the world. Yeah, how an individual and shows going up. Just, yeah, right? Going just a little bit deeper. I think that's the way you think, right? What kind of thinker you are, your cognitive presence. Um, you know, you've got the artistic type. You've got the more logical type you've got you know all these different types of thinkers that's mm -hmm. i think a form of probably more how your brain is wired right that's probably more of a nature kind of thing sure genetic mm -hmm. and then you have how you handle or portray your emotions to the world and i think that's more of a nurture because mm -hmm. i think the the way you are you know people say like oh uh he's just like an angry guy naturally or oh a really happy person i I think with emotions, everyone has the ability to regulate them. It, it, yes. You can you can train and learn and regulate your emotions. This is a... Some people have a, like a mental health disorder can't necessarily do that, though. But that's a genetic thing, sure. right? That's, right, right. True. That's less personality. That's more like... Right, but I, maybe I'm incorrect. Disability, that's, but yeah. Maybe not in the United States as far as stats go. The outlier in the typical world right there's, sure. Most there's people a way can you can control perceive things right yeah mm -hmm. and it's not so much even a cognitive <clears throat> or the way your your brain is wired how you control those emotions there are healthy avenues for helping you regulate your emotions mm -hmm. tools that can be used to regulate your emotions and that affects personality yeah which then is going to tie into me or your personality affects that your personality determines like which of those tools you'll take advantage of? Uh, potentially, but I think it's I think it's the opposite. Hmm. I think people that have a hard time, like me, certain tools for like organization have started to really help me become better at that. Hmm. And part of those tools and whatnot is also things like journaling and whatnot, which is an incredibly good way to regulate your emotions. Preach. Yes. Right? And so there's things that I always was like, oh, this is just who I am, and it kind of sucks. Hmm. But you start trying some of these tools, and there are healthy venues to navigate your emotions, which has helped change, I think, my personality. And sure. Has, and help me. I'm a yeah. work in progress, right? But, but it's also <clears throat> your personality type to be willing to try something new. To better yourself. Right. Openness. There are certain personality types that wouldn't do right. that. Right. More openness so and things like that. I guess like it's that. on both ends. Mm, true. Right. But this ties into, and this, this ties into Christianity, right? Mm -hmm. I think that you are able to change your personality. And I think there is, to some extent, for the majority of people, you can choose what your personality is going to be. And you can work towards having that personality. And part of that has to do with the ability for people to grow in a redemptive sense and become better. So from the, the Christian story, like everyone is on a journey 
to find redemption and become a better person. And that's changing your personality. That's getting rid of the negative personality traits that you have and evolving towards something better. So I think every person is capable of, and I think that there's a spiritual element required, but every person is capable of positively changing their personality. If they want to. If you're forcing yourself to because you think you have to or you should, it won't necessarily. I think there are ways to actively do it, but I also think there are ways where people, by the grace of God, are changed. That's a whole nother conversation, perhaps. Oh, man. I mean, grace of God on one side, but also like the fires of hell on the other side, right? Like uh, you hear you hear about guys being uh, drafted into World War II and their personalities Mm -hmm. are permanently uh damaged might be a word for it like Mm -hmm. coming out of war now of course ptsd of course like emotional and psychological scarring right um but that's part of that's part of it is 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 our stimulus can change our personality which i'm glad we're bringing up because like i definitely wanted to make sure that it was clear that i certainly believe that personalities evolve over time and that we're not like immutable from the time we can start using language or even before that i guess well for sure because i mean if your environment is shaping you to a large degree your environment is constantly evolving and changing over your lifetime and therefore you are constantly evolving and changing Mm -hmm. right i guess my my point to torna is that like with even if it is by the grace of god and i fully believe that like that can and does happen that individual is open enough to that experience to be changed and that openness is a part of their personality Mm. and that it might be one of those fundamental like evolutionary survival traits where like yeah they instinctively are more open and in that particular circumstance it's going to help them survive better and i don't mean they're thinking of it in that way but Mm -hmm. i just mean like they have like a more dominant that part of their personality is more dominant and is enabling them to evolve. Some people don't have some people, other, other survival traits are more prominent and it kind of eventually leads them into this like corner in their life where like they stop growing Mm -hmm. because they've like manufactured an environment around them that just reinforces those traits and they don't ever grow. And like, I've seen that happen too. Mm -hmm. And like, um, so I think there is some element where like you are um it does come down to you being willing to be open to change for change to happen. Mm, I love this question. And then like where's source. the question of like so did God just tell those other people did he just like write them off? Like how does that work? But I don't think Ooh, so, but I mean but it's some theologies would say that, you know, like Calvinists straight up say like God created many souls to go to hell. Because really? they're not, I don't know much about because they're not part of the elect, right? Like, if you happen to be part of hmm. the elect, then you are, you are part of the, you know, the salvation plan. But the rest, it was like Mark Driscoll who famously said, like preaching at his church, he's like, some of you, you're at, here at church, but you're not saved. Some of you are just matchsticks for the fires of hell. Oh and that's Calvinism, <laughs> folks. Whoa, Woo. fun stuff. No, not fun wow. stuff. But some people do believe that. Some people think like because of like God's what they think is like God's immutable characters, like things that never change about God. 
um, especially influenced by the omnis of God, like um, um, omnipresence, um, omnipotence, all that, that because God doesn't change and we are the image of God, then we don't change, right? So we're born with whatever personality we have oh. and we never <laughs> change well, that, right? Ridiculous. Which is, I think, goes back to what I was just saying. Like, that doesn't seem consistent with the redemptive no, I completely trajectory agree. of right. humanity, right? Yeah, yeah. Like people, people change, and that's why I, I think that even in the exceptions of people you think aren't capable of changing, I think every person is capable of changing. It can be good, it can be bad, but your personality is not. I guess what I'm saying is, I don't think personality is rigid in anybody. Sure. Yeah. It is a. It's I a question of source is... for cat. It's a question of source. Like, what is being informed by personality, and what is informing personality? Like. On, on a scale of like upstream to downstream, right? Like is personality upstream of someone being open to change or is someone being open to change upstream of their personality evolving? Right. And so yeah, being open, it. openness is, is saying, okay, you're open to looking into whatever it is, atomic habits or some self-help book, sure, right? right? Like, Hey, I could probably benefit from this and being open to even considering that. But there's also the, the, the venue of maybe someone that's not open in that sense, but just through strictly speaking, I don't believe in happenstance, but through happenstance, they discover their, they love painting and that becomes a really good, healthy venue for them to now control emotions. Yeah. And now they've started to positively mm. affect those. And and essentially me journaling as a form of controlling my emotions and someone paint, I mean, it's the same thing, right? It's Yeah. Oh man. It's a medium. Right, exactly. And so yeah. my I have the ability, I maybe, to to be like, hey, I'm pretty messed up and I need to fix some stuff in my life. How can I start? Not everyone's like that, right? Right. I, I don't mean to imply though that I think that there are some people who can't ever change. Right. I just mean to say that like I think your personality plays a role in whether right. you change or right. and how you change. Sure. And it's possible for anybody, but it's harder for some people. Well, and here's the thing is, and some people never do. Here's the thing is that but maybe that's some personalities are right. uh, like thrive in specific environments and it, it takes mm -hmm. them and it takes them discovering that environment to learn that they thrive there and they feel most alive and they feel the juice right when they show up, you know, like, I am not a personality type that would thrive in the military, guys. Like I am very I'm a very beta type person. I, I am not that. the alpha male type who shows up to boot camp with a shaved head, right? But you say that, but at the same time you have it it's split, I think. And my intent is not to speak for you, Henning, but I, I think the best way to understand someone is to have other people describe you. Your personality, you say you're beta or whatever, but like you also are incredibly structured. You do good with order. You That's do, fucking true. You do great with routine. <laughs> kind of a rule follower. You'd have to be. You, they would break you, right? They'd break you, but I think you would thrive. Mm. Like in like, you know, 12 weeks, you'd be thriving. I think he would thrive, but he would also They'd like. They'd be like, oh, Henning, you're just going to become a general. He, yeah, I was going to say, he'd have like a. He'd be thinking 10 steps ahead, and so <laughs> he'd excel. <laughs> First of all, I'm flattered. I feel seen. <laughs> I feel known. Thank you for this, my friends. I feel known. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that, I mean, that's the thing is like, I could certainly be thrown into that environment, you know, like God forbid the draft happens in 2033 or whatever. Right. Um, I mean, like I have, I have a few like physical 
things that would probably get me out of that. My flat feet and the fact that my knees dislocate very easily would be a factor that they would care about. <laughs> Nightmare. <laughs> right? They, yeah. Knees dislocate. You know, I could well, I could be it? a I could be a desk soldier, I guess, but um <laughs> yeah, I guess being thrown into the environment and like discovering parts about you um I think is very important. Then I guess that speaks to again that openness to like new experience, right? And see what I'm like under these particular pressures and like see what it's like to have these knobs of my survival instinct turned up and down right because like a certain person like you need aggressive characters in your tribe to defend your tribe but you also need the very Mm -hmm. like warm-hearted well-natured like maternal instincts of other people to like care for the children right and like just consistently like continue to prepare food right so there's 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 part of that where like everyone has a spot to fill i guess is what i'm trying to get to is like right and so that goes back to there is some sort of the just the genetics right because every person can change their personality but like not everyone's going to become macho man not everyone's going to become maternal instinct whatever it's like there's a limit right and that's where i see in my like John Locke interpretation mm-hmm. of Christianity. Yeah, That's where I see God's hand in things. Cause it makes sense that we would have different personality types oh, that would complement each other okay. and help build a better society. So and maybe sure, maybe that's some evolutionary, of that, right? Some of that could be ordered by some form of like complementarian like yes, we're all here in search of a common goal, but we need the aggressive types to be the warriors. We need the maternal types to be the grandmothers, right? Like human society evolved over time to to um, foster these different personality traits. Not one was determined through Mm -hmm. evolution to be more important than others. They're all, you know, to some degree equally important and our societies evolved with them. But I personally think at the very tail end of all of that. There's an intelligent being. Right, like mm, right. sowing the seeds. And this is, well, I feel like we're all over the place, but we're just spitballing, hey, right? It was a very open-ended question talking, that started this Yeah, episode, exactly. Man. When you're talking about emotion, you know, I just said, what, 30 seconds ago, they're like, oh, there's like a certain field, right? You can't get outside of it. But now that I'm thinking about it, like, I think I stand myself corrected. Like, some of the greatest generals in war history were... <laughs> as Henning said earlier, like betas, like the unlikely candidates who through being pushed into a difficult situation, like it formed them. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. that nudge, that, that pressure is what turned them into someone truly great. Someone that no one, if you looked at them, you'd be like, eh, you're not going to be one of the greatest histories, one of the greatest generals in war history. But like, Lo and behold, there's a real corny analogy of like a lump of coal becoming a diamond in there somewhere. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Damn it. Very corny. Look at us go. Yeah, no, that's true, though. Like, I I like to imagine I would be the kind of guy. I don't know if you guys ever watched the movie Hacksaw Ridge. Um, yeah, yeah. I like based on like very uh, pointed theological and political beliefs i would be that conscientious conscientious objector at at the point of the draft right but like part of me probably still is full of enough of like 
a sense of duty that I would be like, yeah, I'm here for it. I just need to draw my boundaries really clearly. Like I'll do everything else, you know? Right. But now I just think my correction. Just Wait, hold on. I was going to support your initial okay, correction. Yeah. Uh, Ulysses S. Grant. Mm-hmm. Is that someone you thought about? Uh, yes, that? and then the uh, the general World War Two. Um, well, to be honest, I also uh, think I Abraham name, Lincoln. But yeah, too totally. Yeah, but yeah. Ulysses S. Grant was kind of like an indebted like failure. He had like failed yeah, and failed and failed, and then and then he was called to serve his country and and change the trajectory of history you know and was actually like a great man yeah absolutely i mean politics aside fdr is kind of the same like hero's journey story right too like overcoming all Eh, his connected (laughs) fuck fdr all right well (laughs) no (laughs) let's not go there (laughs) i tried (laughs) (laughs) all right so tony you were about to correct your correction to the other thing Right, but I was also saying maybe this goes back to personality though because I think that hardship is an incredible tool in creating greatness, Mm. but you have to have some sort of proclivity to not breaking under that pressure because there's a lot of people that break. Wait, repeat that line. I'm sorry. So you have to have, maybe it's a personality trait, but like you might not physically look like you know, maybe you're awkward or whatever and not the most fit guy, but you become this great general, you're right? Shaped. Someone that on, pa- <laughs> on paper, you're like, oh, this guy's lame. Like, he's not the best in the unit, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, he's courageous. All these things that lead up to him being a great leader. That person maybe had a trait already that he wasn't going to break under that pressure. Whereas someone that maybe was a better candidate on paper would break under that pressure. And I would say that there are probably circumstances, probably most circumstances where the reason why they have that trait mm-hmm. is because they've been in a situation that isn't in similar in terms of circumstances, but similar in terms of like the strain it put on yeah, them. The stimulus like, is the yes. same regardless of circumstance. The stimulus. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah. Yeah. And this goes back to me talking about how you perceive things and how you, Regulate your emotions. I feel like I have a pretty good uh, grasp on regulating my emotions. I've gotten better at it, seeking advice from wise people that have um, spoken great truths about regulating emotion. Right, that's helped me. But I'm pretty, I'm pretty um, even keel on the normal. Right. Mm-hmm. Plenty of things have happened in my life. Right. Hardship has occurred to me, and more and more, as more hardship has occurred, I've gone back to how do you regulate your emotions, how do you perceive events, and one of the biggest things, and maybe it's a fake it till you make it or lie to yourself kind of thing, but you get to a, you get to a, a split in the road when something bad happens to you, and you can be the person that says, why is this happening to me? Hmm. Yada, 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 or you can go in another route. And this is the route that I, guys, you can't always do this. So I'm not trying to like preach to you about this. This is just something that I try to do. You can say, why is this happening to me? Or, um, you know, this, this happened to me in a negative sense, or you can say to yourself, this happened for me. And I've taken the, this happened for me route continually. And it does wonders. Mm. 
that's that is acceptance. That's the principle of acceptance. Right. Right. This yeah. is very. And I think that's something that I think that's something that every person mm-hmm. can at least try. And it's very uncomfortable. To yeah. Try it. It's so powerful, though, when you when you that that uncomfortable moment mm-hmm. is like supercharged with energy energy and inspiration <laughs> the gin is kicking in yeah, Just yeah. Nice. no it's supercharged with inspiration though like that though that is a powerful moment when you sit and you accept the pain torna you're starting to sound like some stoics i know was it mark i haven't gotten into the stoicism too much oh i mean and i, I kind of want to because i think i'd vibe with you're it you're in but... stoicism territory very solidly like I think it was excellent. Marcus Aurelius in his book uh, Meditations. It's literally the only Stoic I know. I don't even know the other uh, names. Yeah, Stoics. Seneca was one. I forget the third. There's oh, there's okay. really only yeah. like three famous. They're all Romans. It's in my blood, right? The Stoics are all Italian. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but so Marcus Aurelius is famous for saying between every stimulus and response, there's a choice. Oh, right? sure. Like mm, straight okay. up, that's what you're. That's that's the philosophy you're embodying there. Like I have a choice of how I'm going to respond to every one of these, and like it takes skill and it takes practice to increase the time between that stimulus Discipline. and your response. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Discipline. Also, very Jocko willing, right? Like, sure. Discipline yeah. equals freedom. Mm-hmm. Extreme ownership. Like, right. And the other thing too, though, is is like again when you're. And again, maybe this is more of a personality trait. I can look at people that I admire and want to emulate, and I can see the trajectory that they're on and the way they choose to live their life and the benefits that are have come from that. And then I see what happens to the people that take the this is happening to me route, which mm-hmm. again, I think that's the default. And I, but I can I can step back and see that trajectory, and I don't want that trajectory. Yeah, right. And that's where I think you actually can control or at least affect the trajectory of your personality. We're going to take a quick break, then we'll be back to our conversation. If you like what you're hearing, the best way to tell us about it would be on Apple Podcasts. There you can leave us a five-star rating and a one or two sentence review to help others find the show. Thank you to Reagan James, for the use of our theme music, The Habit, off her album, Message. Find her work on Spotify and Apple Music. And thanks to Highline Media Network for having us as a founding podcast. Here's a quick preview of a recent episode from our sister show, Ravel. Y'all, we have so many topics to discuss. We have so many stories to share and our lives are coming together in a space where we can be vulnerable, where we can explore and just know that we're learning so much together. We're exploring together and it is a wonderful journey to be a part of. And I love you all. And now back to our conversation. Hmm. So some of personality is nature and genetics. Some right. is nurture, like how you grew up, where you grew up, who you grew up with, um, probably even like who you went to school with, or, you know, cat, like you grew up in California. I'm certain that has affected your personality in ways that would not be the same as growing <laughs> up saying? in Montana. 
No, like Kat, for Kat sure. pointed that out. I think I'm a hell of a lot more cynical than both of you because I'm from the Bay Area. It's very possible. It's very possible. I, I'm full of agreeableness. I, I kind of so. <laughs> I kind of think that like um, I would imagine that as you age, your the nurture plays a larger and larger role. Oh yeah, in forming it's just, your personality. You, you just have right? a because it's this ongoing right thing. a greater well of resources right. through time. Yeah, to have affected yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I fully agree with you, Torna. That like ultimately we do all have a choice. Yeah. Um, I think some people are equipped better to recognize that choice than mm-hmm. others. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's <laughs> a very real world example. I took my, uh, my dog on a walk last night. Right. And like, we went on a pretty long walk. So I was prepared with my little doggy poop bags, knowing that she was, <laughs> she was going <laughs> to drop one or two in Yep. In a park or in someone's lawn or whatever, you know, very prepared because I'm a very conscientious person. Um, you make some a little, good soldier. Some little duck <laughs> nuclear bombs. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, so we, we go out on a walk and she starts circling up for her first one, right? And circling up. <laughs> oh, that's her routine. That's a very vivid description. <laughs> you know how dogs like. Vivid word what, choice. Whatever. Um, I know what you mean. <laughs> I can picture it. <laughs> right? She goes to take her first poop and she's like, she's just in it. She's like halfway through the activity. Right. And oh I'm on the, I'm on the sidewalk just in front of this guy's house. Right. Yeah. And like, I assume that people can see me through their windows whenever this is happening with my dog. So like, I make a pretty big show of like taking and like, I appreciate unfurling that. the bag right and like pulling it over my hand and being like I am ready right because I'm not gonna leave my dog shit in your yard that's thoughtful right I make a big show of it and again I made a big show of it but this guy like he came storming out of his front yard and he's like hey is this your fucking lawn I was like no dude but it's my dog's poop and I'm gonna take it with me is literally what I told him and he's like oh Okay, and just turned around and walked back inside. I was like, uh, "Cool, like apology accepted." I guess, like you did not need to come. Yeah, right. <laughs> the aggression was not needed here, man. Like, it, it just—it's fascinating to me that, like, whatever his personality is, this is literally the first time I've ever seen this guy. So, like, I don't know him, <laughs> but like, I feel like I learned quite a lot about him based on the way he responded to like a neighbor letting his dog go to the bathroom, right? right? And like, you know what? Know. Next time that happens, you just gotta be like, dude, this is in San Francisco. We can't just leave crap on the sidewalk. <laughs> wow. Oh, bad jokes. Poor Sess. Oh, beans. <laughs> True. Right. At least it's dog feces, not human feces. I, it's a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, Sorry. The, the choices were made <laughs> to yell. The choices were made to come out the door with aggression, right? And like, my mm-hmm. personality, I don't know. This is why I say beta, because like my personality, I would watch someone let their dog take a poop on my lawn and I'd be like, yeah, I'll pick that up. <laughs> no. no. Oh, oh, see, and I would be like, please pick it up. And if they I didn't, I'd be like. John Mulaney has a really good bit about this. He's like, I'm the type yeah, of person oh, yes. who would, like, you would spill hot soup on me and I would say, I'm sorry. I would say, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Like almost to a fault. Um, like that's right. my personality, so, right? Obviously, yeah. People 
people have some sort of proclivity, right? Totally. Uh, more naturally gentle. But or, that's also, okay, but that's also, I think, informed by their environment and their experience. Right. And like personal anecdote here, we had talked about doing a couple different personality tests prior to this oh, episode. Oh, yeah. Which I did. Oh, all did right. Did you take yours? We could get into that. Oh. Um, yeah, I took the one that we had talked about before. I always forget the name. The Enneagram? No, no, no. The, the other five. One. The big five. Maybe. No, no, no. Not Jordan Peterson's. There was a, there's a third the one. The Myers-Briggs. <laughs> Myers-Briggs. Go. Thank you. Oh. See, you're always the one who knows what it is. <laughs> the Myers-Briggs. So I took that a while back, and that I thought was really informative. I took the Enneagram today. Total fucking waste of twelve dollars in my opinion. Oh, you paid for it? Oh no. You, oh, I've never paid for the Enneagram. I, yeah. How else was I? I should have sent you a link. I'm sorry. It's okay. No, it's all good. But anyway, where was I going with this originally? Oh, I had a difficult time. Uh well, not necessarily a difficult time, but going through and answering the hundred and forty four questions of the Enneagram test. Uh there were quite a number of those questions where I was very torn on how to answer. And I was thinking about it. Um, and well, I suppose I had kind of realized this prior to this test, but it was reinforced today that um, I could have answered differently at a different point in my life than I would answer today. Yes. And so there was definitely a period in my life where I probably was more beta, right? And uh, implying that you're more alpha now. <laughs> I would think so. I think so. Yeah. Good, yeah. Yeah. Can I, I was be clear um, with the beta I mean, alpha language? I am yeah. not assigning value judgment to beta or alpha, just personally. Like yeah. it's common vernacular, right? We 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 talk about alpha males. But I don't think there's a value right. judgment to be right, made right, right. because, again, I think I'm valuable to the world with my personality. Right, but also, Henning, I don't think you're beta. Yeah, but you might be assigning. Like I, I assign a value yeah. to it. I assign a value yeah, to it, which I'm not. And I think alpha <laughs> just tends to have more value than beta. But like you're alpha because like you take care of your family and you <laughs> succeed exceptionally well at your job. And like you do things greatly, and like those totally. are alpha okay. traits. Like just because you don't bench eight hundred pounds, like <laughs> that's a very beta, fair point. Beta is like, oh, I don't stand up for myself. Like I don't have opinions. Right. I don't work hard. I don't like those are beta, and I think those are negative okay. for society. I guess, so we're, we're maybe we have different. I probably views just of view it. beta and alpha as more like signifiers for the type of personality that typically fits that, and. I guess aggression mm-hmm. is the thing that's top of mind, right? Gotcha. So hmm. I'm sorry, Kat, I interrupted you. Um, but so knowing that you could answer the questions on the Enneagram differently five years ago, was that changing the way you were answering them? <gasps> it's weird you just said five years because that's like almost spot on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, closing, closing on six. Spooky. But, yeah. Um. Yeah, it was it was interesting. Um and and I kind of knew, I guess speaking directly to the test, I I could tell throughout it that it was not going to be able to give me an accurate I don't even mm. know sure. answer sure. <laughs> description whatever. Um cuz I felt like I it it asked very leading questions, which I suppose it has to do if it's trying to, you know, make a a 
a judgment about you, right? Or determine something sure. about you. Um, but I could kind of tell where they were leading and I felt like it was down a handful of kind of narrow paths and um I could just I I just could tell it wasn't gonna give me a, a mm-hmm. solid answer. And frankly, I was like 21, 20, 19, 19, 18 across like a ton of different personality types. So there was nothing that really was dominant, which was kind of uh, interesting. But it was also an interesting moment to reflect on how much growth I've experienced in the last several years and even within the last like year alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was, I won't go into excruciating detail, but like a lot of when you suffer trauma and then like heal from that there's there can be kind of like it's 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 amazing how much your personality uh and sort of your core can evolve over time um through that healing process and that for me and i think it's a very helpful tool for i would argue everyone most people what torna was talking about this idea ultimately of like acceptance to me is like the key to unlocking that growth and that mm. change. That, that was just a random rant. And we just went down one yeah, alleyway. No, we no, should no, no, back no, up no, and go a different direction. That's not a random rant. rant. <laughs> I, I want to add two things to that. Um, maybe just one. I, I can't remember what the second thing is. But like that ties back to like, oh, you look back five years, you know, there's different personality traits as far as are you a futurist or not. So you can take this test and think, oh, what would Kat think? What Wow, what would Kat have thought five years ago? What do I think now? And me, I think I'm a bit more of a futurist. So when I'm taking tests, I'm like, oh, what does Steven... Who do I want to be? Who do I want to be, right? Yeah. And interesting, there was a big psychology study. I don't remember when, but they polled like a massive amount of people. And when asked, are you different than you were 10 years ago or five years ago? I don't remember what the question was. Like almost everyone was like, yeah, I'm different. But then once polled, do you think you'll be the same person in five years? They would say, yeah, I'll be the same person in five years. <laughs> they like years. who they are. Right. <laughs> Whoa. Which ties into the fact that like you can look in the mirror and you look the same as you did yesterday and you will look the same as you do tomorrow. <laughs> but in five years, yeah, whew, you're going to look a lot different. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the, the same for, for mm. personality. Yeah. Totally. Well, it's incremental change, right? Yeah. And yeah. but then there are moments where, you know, under very extreme circumstances that don't happen to the vast majority of people. But, you know, people who are involved, particularly in things like war, you know, where they have like they could have a 24 hour experience that changes them forever. Right. right. So there are sometimes humans do experience these radical shifts. But I, I would say mm. those are more the exception unless yeah. the rule well mm-hmm. and that that healing or trauma healing cycle cat that you point out that's also that mm-hmm. like the word that sprang to mind was um like adaptive right like some parts of our personality mm-hmm. will turn up to adapt to you know the injury sustained or you know the psychological trauma that remains because like mm-hmm. literal neural pathways are remapped in the prefrontal prefrontal cortex during trauma literally right yeah so like right right and you have to read you have to draw new lines that's extremely ton of work extremely biological yeah right even the Mm -hmm. right even the personality uh you know the the 
oh, what was it called? It was where they uh, they cut the connection between the right and left hemispheres and demonstrated like complete oh, yeah. personality difference in a single oh, really? human brain. Wow. Right. Like left brain mm. was a lot different than right brain as part of those studies. Mm. Um, and the fact that it takes like linking them together to create like the whole. That is fascinating right. to me, but that is that is certainly part of that trauma healing cycle, right? With those neural pathways being exactly rewritten, and that ad- well, adaptivity, yeah, is is huge. The adaptive question is big because that's, um, I think, especially like children who experience trauma, develop uh, particular coping mechanisms that. Uh, uh for a long time are useful right they are survival mechanisms they're probably to some degree evolutionary in their roots and um they make sense right and like they're helpful for a period Mm -hmm. of time um and i think that that opportunity for change is when you find yourself out of those traumatic circumstances and you realize those coping mechanisms are no longer this is maybe a corny metaphor, but it's, I think, pointed. Like, they're no longer, like, the shield you're using mm-hmm. to protect yourself. They've become more like a millstone around uh, your neck. And, like, you can't grow anymore because you're being weighed down by these habits that once protected you but now are, are counterproductive. At the same time, right. and you can- I think that the the very thing that you learn to be your shield or your adaptive tool in childhood it's kind of uh, what's the saying is like your greatest we- weakness is also your greatest strength or something like right like there's there's a flip side to it where those those exact same traits when exercised improperly do a tremendous amount of damage in adulthood while you're using the same tools that you know you as your six year old self were using but. Right, because they're no longer appropriate for the circumstances. Right, but the same the same instinct that's driving it, right, that same core wound that comes from your childhood, like, it also, in my belief, it informs, like, what your superpower is and what is what could be your greatest gift that you have to offer to the world through a transformation for sure. process. For sure. And I guess that's what I mean by, like, when your, circumstance, when your circumstances change, there's an opportunity to to recognize sure. like then you're at that fork in the road that Torrin mm-hmm. talked about where it's like now I have a choice because those circumstances have changed and I can like you know bury my head and just like keep going in this direction with these tools that I've had or I can recognize that like these don't serve me any longer and I need to like embrace something mm, new yeah um and that's where there's like that ev- you know that's where your personality evolves. I love that. That feels like such a good place to start wrapping up just because like we have, we have, you know, we've, we've thought of a few ways that personality is formed and certainly how it adapts and certainly how it develops. Um, I was wondering like with everything we know of all the different tests we've taken or whatever, Mm -hmm. I kind of wanted to do like a rapid fire round and just, I wanted to say like all our results because part of me thinks that, Yeah, I think it's worth part of me thinks that that. what those could reveal to us is like those are helpful tools. You know, if I learn that 
Torna is a particular Enneagram type tonight, that might inform the way Mm -hmm. I continue to show up on the whiskey bench, right? Because like, I know what speaks to someone who has that general archetypal personality, right? Right. Okay. So I want to real quick before we do rapid fire, I want to, I want to discuss this. I don't know what my Enneagram is. I've taken it a few times and I literally cannot remember. I think that the big five is the best test because it takes the most scientific approach to it in that it just gives you a percentage. Yeah. Right. Which ties into the fact that your personality can change. Right. Hey, right now in my phase of life, I'm 63% agreeable or whatever. Whereas, you know, your, your sign, your Enneagram, whatever is a bit more rigid. I think those are really good for pointing out uh, flaws and negatives and helping you address those. But I feel like, you know, people that are really obsessed with the Enneagram and things like that, it puts you in kind of a rigid box. At least people that I know. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm this I number agree. and I have uh, I have to act like this number. And maybe maybe that's just a personality There's thing, certain, right? Like, yeah. Oh, I want to okay, be, so like, I, think I, am, that's fair. I am that Enneagram nut you guys are you're talking about and like off mic i have some recommendations for you i have books to recommend and and everything Mm -hmm. because in my opinion the enneagram is different in that it really requires a lot more like contemplation and searching and awareness of yourself than just taking a test involves like it really takes some serious thought in my opinion because honestly like one of the biggest drivers of the enneagram is kind of identifying the what they call like the core childhood wound that your personality formed around in the way you responded to it so exactly what kat and i were just speaking to a few moments ago the enneagram is kind of built around that moment and then the way you've you've grown to like fit that suit of armor Right. Maybe if to dive deeper into the Enneagram, I'd be, I'd be really, I personally believe you do because like it, it can appear that the, the boxes are really rigid and they're very exact. Um, but you can, you can start talking about all sorts of like subtypes Mm. and wings and all sorts of different combinations and it, it can get really complicated. And honestly, sometimes I listen to Enneagram podcasts and I'm just like, this sounds like a bunch of astrology bullshit, but sometimes I'm like, this is incredibly (laughs) helpful and I'm so glad I know of this tool. Right. Yeah, because you're certainly speaking to that experience of like, oh, cool, I'm going to tell another internet online personality test what I'm like so that the test can tell me what I'm like. You know, like <laughs> sometimes that's just not helpful. Right, right. But that being said, are we into the rapid fire on our like personal? Yeah, yeah. The For the uh, understanding Yeah, myself. let's start there. Kat, did you take the uh, the big five test? Okay, no. that's okay. Tona, you and okay. I have results. Why don't you go first, <laughs> my friend? It. Yep. Okay. Uh, like in the like the agreeableness. Go for it. Or, okay, agreeableness moderately high, sixty five. Also, agreeableness is moderately high at sixty five for me. Oh, <laughs> nice. Oh, wow. Compassion moderately high, seventy seven. Compassion is 42. Oh, you bastard. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> Politeness, average at 45. Politeness is 81 for me. Ooh. Wowzer. Right, so, okay, now, so that's all under the agreeableness umbrella. Right. Conscientiousness next. 52. 
98. Oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm outlier, fam. Look at me go. There you go. I'm special boy. Industriousness, 67. 88. This this is all out of 100. Yeah. Right. These are percentiles. Right. Yep. 88 for me on industriousness. Okay. And this is why I like the percentages because it really puts me into check. Orderliness, 36. Oh, shit. And I was like, yep. Oh, shit, dude. I'm a POS when it comes to that. (laughs) You ready for this? 99. Yeah, I believe it. Oh, my it. God. I believe Jesus it. Christ. Uh, extroversion. Next one down the list. Yeah. High at 88. This that is the next sense. umbrella is extroversion. I'm at 86. Yep. Oh, okay. Uh, enthusiasm. High at 79. I am 75. Excellent. Assertiveness. High at 88. Also 88. Oh, look at that. Wow. Neuroticism. <laughs> very low at 7. <laughs> That's why you're so messy. What did you say? <laughs> Neuroticism. <laughs> very low. That's why I said that's why I said. At so messy. seven? Yeah, maybe. All right. Seven. <laughs> I got thirty-four on neuroticism. Actually, Would you peg me as higher? You're actually not that messy, for the record. I don't know if neuroticism is speaking to messiness. I feel like that's, that's a part of it. Maybe. I don't know much about this test. Order, I don't know maybe. nearly as much about this one, but I'm thirty-four for neuroticism. Okay. Uh, withdrawal. I didn't even notice this one. People with moderate low levels of withdrawal occasionally feel sad, lonesome, disappointed. Uh, 36 for withdrawal. Ooh, 31. Oh, okay. Volatility exceptionally low. One. Nice. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. Nice. I'm at 38. Yep. And then- Which I think I'm pretty generally not very volatile. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right, so then the final one the final umbrella is openness to experience. Mm-hmm. Moderately high at 75. There you go. 85 for me. Ooh, all right. You're fucking high across the board yeah, there. Yeah, honey. Right. What high highs about, and low honey? lows. Yeah. <laughs> uh, intellect high at 78. 89. Uh, openness, moderately high at 63. And I'm at 69. A. All right. Dirty. Dirty number. The sex number. <laughs> Anyway, all right, so that's Big Five. <laughs> Kat, you said you took the Myers-Briggs. I'm curious to hear your four-letter combination. Oh. Do you know? I do. I'm looking at it. Oh. <laughs> I am <clears throat> an I-N-F-J-T. What does that mean? Right. Uh, <laughs> that means I am, I'm 65% introverted. I'm 70 po- <laughs> I've been drinking gin. I'm 74% intuitive, mm-hmm. uh, 61% feeling, 94% judging, which yeah. my friends would there you go. support, uh, 58% turbulent, um, and my role is a diplomat, and my strategy is constant improvement. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Oh, that's why I'm a writer. We do an episode, and you just judge me the whole time. (laughs) We'll call it Stephen the Doc. It'll be great. That sounds dangerous. That sounds dangerous. (laughs) Kat, you and I are pretty close on Myers Briggs. I I find myself as INTJ, so I am Uh on the thinking side of feeling. 
Yeah, totally. I don't have my percentages on hand, though. I'm actually pretty close to the middle on all of them except judging. I'm also, like, bonkers high. Really high on judging. (laughs) Yeah. But it also just means that we, like, are practical and... You know, this can is be like unemotional when we need to be. Yes. I learned how to turn my emotions off at a young age. So that's <laughs> pretty good. Go. About There's that coping thing. mechanism right there. There she is. Response to well. original wounds. Absolutely. Cat. <laughs> <laughs> so you said yeah. your Enneagram results were pretty just <clears throat> scattershot. Like they weren't <laughs> conclusive. Yeah, they were all over the place. Um, were there any descriptions that you resonated with? Any numbers that like felt more right than the other ones in your results? Um, let's see. I tested really high. The highest I tested for, but it was close to other things, uh, like with one, one, within one point of others, uh, was type six, which is the loyalist, hmm. um, which uh, I'm looking at the what that means. And... Yeah, no, everything that I read, I, I kind of, I'm across, I feel like I'm, I guess it did accurately read me in that it put me sort of across the spectrum. You got a little flavor of all of them, yeah. you feel like? Yeah. Okay. A fair amount of them. Right. Yeah. And Torna, you, you feel inconclusive on the Enneagram? I honestly just, I've taken it a few times and I just can't remember what it was. I need to take it again and I love that. put a little more thought into it. I love that. Um. Yeah. So just to tell you guys, because I'm the Enneagram nut, I identify as a type one called the reformer. Um, We're a little bit of a revolutionary there. Yeah, a little bit. It's, it's very much the, like the practical side of like, uh, can I, Oh yeah. Can I read it? Oh yeah, please do. Yes. I have it pulled up. Okay. So the reformer, uh, the functions of ethical standards and responsibility. And the description is, the potential for moderation, conscience, maturity, self-discipline, and delayed gratification. Negatively, you have the potential for rigid self-control, <laughs> impersonal perfectionism, judgmentalism, and self-righteousness. Which kind of lines up with my big five and my INTJ on the Myers-Briggs. So uh, <laughs> that's why I feel like the Enneagram is pretty good at what it does if you do the work mm-hmm. with it. But... Like I say with the Enneagram, it, 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 in my opinion, it takes a lot of study. And honestly, I don't give enough credit to the Myers-Briggs. I've always treated it as like a test you take and you find your results. But like, you know who's a big fan of Myers-Briggs is Alex Falcongrove. He could, he could do an entire episode mm. about it if we wanted him to. Mm. I was really impressed with Myers-Briggs. Mm. And I had my boyfriend take it as well. And um, it was interesting. It was also very spot on oh, excellent. for him as well. Also, this week I learned that I'm a Capricorn. <laughs> I just learned. You learned that. <laughs> I literally learned as we were recording that I am a Libra. There we go. Mm. All right. Well, we got. Ca- I've known that I'm a Cancer for some cancer, time. Cancer, Capricorn. Mm. Yeah, that's the California talking. I don't no. know what Libra means. <laughs> I don't know either. I'm not. I don't. But all I know is that a few times I've showed up at houses and they bust out the birthday book and I say nope. I have to say though the birth <laughs> the birthday book is really interesting. I uh, do not. And you think it's satanic? No. It's witchcraft, No, man. gypsy witchcraft for a- me. But did an ancient... Okay, so we should have my sister on sometime to talk about conspiracy theories and, like, weird strains of Christianity, but she... <laughs> I'm all she, for it. She I, She's great. Um, She... um, 
and I'm going to butcher whatever it is she thinks, but I feel like she has talked about how there are texts that were once in the Bible that are no longer in the Bible that point to some of these things that we now in our modern age refer to as astrology, but were accepted by I Christians at some point in time. I have a podcast about Christian astrology from an orthodox perspective. Right. Which is so very she's interesting. Kind of or- but it's, she's it's, kind of like old school, like yeah, it's Assyrian not, it's Christian. Not, it's not, yeah, it's not. Uh, the goofy we, shit you get on like an app. Of right. It's not, more but, like, yeah, the ancients valued that and there was something oh, yeah. to astrology but like i mean it's part of jewish traditions as, i mean the yeah uh, exactly there are deep roots the, there so yeah, i don't right. i'm not one to honestly i i joke about like astrology and things like that but like i value the ancient wisdoms there yeah just yeah again because i mean like i just don't believe in the rigid you know well sure I'm a, course, li- I'm a Libra, and I'm going to act like a Libra all the time. It gives you an excuse <laughs> to be an asshole. Yeah, no, I know. Wait, is that what Libras are? I don't know about Libras, oh. but yeah, totally. I was like, Scorpios. I, I really only oh. know Scorpios. I've been surrounded by them my whole life. I was like, I don't want to wow. be mean. Half of them are great. <laughs> Half of them suck. <laughs> mm-hmm. So all this... Uh, talk that we've done tonight about personality and especially with Kat um, making such a good point about overcoming trauma and the changes that is a result of that I would love to have a discussion soon um, about adversity, overcoming adversity and specifically um, training yourself to become anti-fragile I think that's something that is an incredibly important skill Uh, I think it's incredibly beneficial and obviously I'm no expert in this. I don't think anyone is. But I'd like to have that conversation and talk about healthy ways to regulate emotion and how we in our lives try to be anti-fragile and where we fail and where we succeed if we're open to having that conversation. Um, I think that would be really, really great. I love that. And then before, yeah, I think that's, I think mm-hmm. it's important. I think a lot of people are not anti-fragile. And that's not to say that you have to be stoic or you have to hide your emotions. I think there's a lot to it that we, that we'll have, just have to dive into. Um, but I, I would love to have that conversation. And then just final thought um, in the conversation we had tonight. I've been in places in my life where I have thought that this is who I am. I am stuck in this situation and it's frustrating. You know, obviously it can be a very heavy weight on you. You can feel like an impending doom, like, oh, this is just who I am. I'm going to be like this forever, and there's no hope for it. But, like, honestly, there is a ton of opportunity for you to just take small steps to to work away from that. You know, hey, I really do not like this about me. I guess that's just the way it is, right? But I have had great people in my life. Seek, Seek wisdom from people around you. Find the people that are succeeding in the areas that you think or perceive that you're failing and maybe have a conversation with them and see how, how they operate in their life. And I know it can be difficult, but maybe try implementing some of the things that they do um, or the practices that could really, really benefit you because that's what I've had to do and it's helped. So don't think you're stuck with the personality that you have. There's a way to mold and shift it. There's a choice. Yeah. Mm. Love that. Yes. There is a 
fantastic quote by Oscar Wilde that goes, be yourself because everybody else is already taken. I love that. I love that for personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cheers. Amen. Cheers. Thank you for joining us on the Whiskey Bench. If you would do us a favor, please tell a friend about the show in person, with a text, or by sharing about it on social media. You can join us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest, all at Whiskey Bench Pod. And don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Remember, always drink responsibly. And cheers to a fulfilled life with all its beauty. Stephen, what do you think Ravel is about? I think Ravel is a podcast about how to effectively market our cult. No, no, no. Ravel is a show that shares the basics on how to get into the afterlife in three easy steps. Okay, okay, cut it out, you guys. Ravel is really about why SpongeBob SquarePants is the best story for teaching atonement theories. But how will your belief in God's atonement change when we prove that aliens exist? I mean, it would probably cause an even greater number of spiritual emergencies in the church. Or maybe everyone is just going to conclude that aliens are demons because we can't explain them. If you are thinking about all of these questions too, come have a drink with us. Follow Ravel wherever you get your podcasts. Highline Media Network. Normal people in normal places.